This week we have a double parsha Bahar Kaisai. We're going to say over a beautiful bard from Rav Schwab on Parshas Bahar, the very first piece in the Mayan Beis Hashavim. Let's do it together. Hashem speaks to Meshe Rabbeinu on Har Sinai and he starts telling him the laws of Shemitah. So Rashi says the famous line, he brings it from the Sefer Teres Kahanim, what is the connection between Shemitah and Har Sinai? Why do you have to give a hakdama uh, in the parsha that Hashem spoke to Moshe about Har Sinai Lamer? Just say Vayidabra Hashem Moshe Lamer, and then tell us about Shemitah, like all the other mitzvahs of the Torah. Why do you tell me that Shemitah was given at Har Sinai? What's what shaychas does Shemitah have to Har Sinai? But like Kala Mitzvah's number Sinai, all mitzvahs were said by Sinai. We know we have a klau that every single mitzvah in the Torah was given at Har Sinai. If you look at the Bir Hagra to the first Mishnah in Pirkei when it says Meisha Kibel Torah Misinai, the Gra goes and he marshals Kedarkai many many different Maramakaimis that every single mitzvah in the Torah was given was given to Meshur Rabbeinu and Harsinai. There wasn't a single mitzvah was not given. So, Kalatar Kulu was given to Meshur Rabbeinu and Harsinai. So why do you have to tell me uh, it's specifically by Shemitah? V'ayim b'mefarshay Rashi, shenira midevrehem, sha'akoshahi, how did the mefarshim of Rashi interpret Rashi's question? Why is the mitzvah of Shemitah unique from all the other mitzvahs in the Torah that we have to connect it to Har Sinai? And what does Rashi bring as the Teretz? To teach us the rule, the same way that Shemitah, we have all of the Pratim and the Klolim. We give very specified instructions. For Shemitah, the Pratah and Diktukah, together with the Klolim, everything was given in Harsin, and that's very Mephorosh in the parasha. So too, Afkala Mitzvah's Cain. The same thing is true by all mitzvahs. All mitzvahs in the Torah were given very with great specificity. There is no mitzvah in the Torah that was just given stam. Just like Shemitah was given with so many different pratim and klalim and everything in between, that's how uh, it is with all the mitzvahs in the Torah. And that's why we specify Shemitah by Harsina to teach you just like Shemitah was so uh, well uh, documented, everything was spoken out, so too it is by all mitzvahs. We still have to explain must be many other mitzvahs in the Torah that you could have uh, spoken, that you could have brought this rule to, to our consciousness by, uh, by being masmech har sinai to it. If I, let's say we would have said, Bar Sinai, and then said the mitzvah of, um, I don't know, Karbanes, or said the mitzvah of what else is very clear in the Torah, Prata, but A lot of mitzvahs in the Torah have uh, a lot of different, uh, you know, it speaks it out very clearly. There's other things that could have been chosen, but yet 
For some reason, Shmita was the one that was chosen. We still have to understand that. So if Schwab says something, I believe he, he's Mechave into the Chasim Seifer, if I'm not mistaken. And this is what he says. Vanir Bazat. It's not just that Shemitah is very, very uh, specified in the Torah, giving us all the Klalim and Pratim. Besides for that, a deeper reason why Shemitah proves that it was given at Har Sinai, that it was Menashamayim. V'yitayr Menashamayim. Shem Timsa Laimer, Shemitzas HaTorah, Hem Devarim Shabadu Chachme Yisrael Milibam. There are a lot of kaifrim that believe, and you could, you, know, you shouldn't look it up, but I'll tell you. You know, they say that the, the whole Torah was not written. There was not it's, it's, Hashem didn't write the Torah. Torah was written by rabbis. Rabbis over the and it wasn't even given all, all at one time. They'll, they mamish make a whole you know history course about how it was it evolved. And it didn't, uh, you know, it was given by different rabbis, and they came up with different things. And you see that Tavarim is different than Bamidbar, and they, they come up with the whole Torah, but it wasn't godly. Chas v'shalom, Hashem could not have written it. It was just something that the Chachme Yisrael, the rabbis, made up. That's what Kaifrim believe, that, it, that don't take it so seriously, it's just something that was invented. If that's true, if it's true that the Torah is not divine, and the Torah was given Rachman al-Litzan by, by some human beings, and it was never meant to, it was never from Hashem, so why in the world, if you were writing a fake Torah, so why would you put this mitzvah in the Torah? Every other mitzvah you could put in the Torah. If we convene, let's say a group of us here are going to make up a fake Mesechta um, and Shas. And this actually happened, right? There's a Yushalmi, we don't, we don't, we never had Yushalmi on Kachim. Just never, we lost it or whatever. We, we never had a Yushalmi on Kachim. All of a sudden, there was a person about 100, 150 years ago who he wrote, he, he says, Oh, I found the Ksavyat, I found the manuscript, a Yushalmi on Kachim. And he published it. And not only did he publish it, he got Haskamas from great Gedali Yisrael. I don't even want to say the G'dayim that he got Haskamas from because it makes them look bad because they all were scammed into believing that it was really the Yerushalmi on Kachim, but really it wasn't. Eventually it was disproven, but you know, he got major Haskamas. So that he's obviously a brilliant guy. You can't, you can't pull the wool over G'dayim Yisrael's eyes that easily. Um, but Let's say we were coming up, we, we were all convening in the room, we want to make up something new, okay, something new. What would we do? How would we write a tire if we wanted to write a tire? We would write a tire that's just commandments, but very safe. There's no, we, we'll, we'll never get it wrong, right? We, because if, if we're proven, if we're saying something that, that involves, uh, you know, some actual uh, result to happen, if it doesn't happen, then that shows that we're counterfeit, which shows that we're fraudsters. So the last thing in the Torah that, the last thing in the world that the rabbis, if they were really the ones that created the Torah, would put in is the mitzvah of Shemitah. Why? Because, Because human, the human mind, rational minds, it, they, it, they can't accept Shemitah as a reality. Because 
even if you're going to tell me, well, why not? Maybe it is true. Maybe it's true that if, if we would command everybody to let their fields lie fallow for a year, then next year there's going to be a bumper crop. Again, what is the Torah? The Torah's commanding, is promising that if you don't plant your field on the seventh year, which really means the sixth year, so the sixth year you're already going to stop planting, because there's no point in planting for the seventh year. The seventh year, you're not going to be able to reap any crops. You're not allowed to eat anything that grows. And then the eighth year, you're not, you're not allowed to plant seed on the seventh year for the eighth year. So basically, for three years, you're going to put everybody out of business. All farmers are not going to have business. They're not going to be able to plant the sixth year, the seventh year, or the, or the eighth year, or have, bum, or, or have crops on the eighth year. They could start count, planting on the eighth year for the ninth year, but that's a very big leap of faith that you're going to you know, you're taking upon yourself the responsibility of feeding the entire Jewish nation for three years, pretty much, or two, two, two to three years. Um, and that's, a, that's something that only God could promise. A human being to say, oh yeah, don't worry about it. No one should, uh, let's say I tell you, uh, you know, no one should go to work for three years. And if you, go, if you don't go to work for three years, you're going to get a bitzvisas birchasi. I'm going to give you tremendous uh, parnasa after that. Or, or two years. Two, take off from, you're a lawyer, you're a doctor, you're a dentist. I'm writing in the Torah, it says, take off from work for two whole years, and then you're going to have a lot of parnasa after that. I better be really sure that that happens, because if it doesn't happen, there's going to be a lot of really unhappy campers here. Elamai, what's the answer? The answer is HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the one that was mitzvah, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu has the power to give bracha in the crops subsequent to Shemitah. So this is something that proves that God wrote the Torah, because otherwise Shemitah would be the last thing that a human being would, would roll the dice on including in his Torah. He says, you're going to say that, well, maybe we know that if you let a, a field lie fallow, it's going to be good for the field in the future. That's true. But nevertheless, every field in the whole country should rest. It's going to cause a famine. It's going to break the, uh, the economy. is going to get wrecked from this. What about Shemitah that goes into Shnasa Yevo? Now you have a whole other year that you're not doing anything. This is really going to wreak havoc on any normal economy, especially an agricultural economy. The reason why the Torah chose Shemitah to follow this passage about Bahar Sinai. From all the other mitzvahs in the Torah. Why Shemitah? Why not Tefillin? Why not Talas? Why not Mezuzah? Why not anything? Shabbos? Because Ki mitzvah Shemitah Yesh la gushpanka shal har sinai. Anyone know what gushpanka means? Gushpanka means it's like the, like the stamp. It's the stamp of approval of har sinai. You, you see it has the, um, the authority, the authenticity of har sinai in it, Shemitah. Everyone agrees that Shemitah has to be a divinely, uh, a divinely instructed mitzvah. 
a, a human being, a rational mind, would never dream up such a mitzvah. And just like Shemitah was said by Arsina, clearly it was said by Arsina, this is true for all mitzvahs, meaning the reason why Shemitah, Manyan Shemitah, it's Arsina, you know what the, the Shaykh is between Shemitah? Shemitah was the one mitzvah in the Torah that really proves that the Torah is divine. And once you understand the Torah is divine, now you can extrapolate and say all mitzvahs in the Torah are divine. Tefillin is divine, and tzitzah are divine, and, 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 and meiser, everything is divine because you have the mitzvah of Shemitah, and the Pasuk introduces it by saying it's Bahar Sinai. Just like this is Bahar Sinai, Nemer Bifratah that is the way it is with all of the other mitzvahs HaTayra as well. This is the beautiful idea of Rav Schwab, and again, I believe, uh, if I'm not mistaken, the Chasim Seifers has a very similar thought. So what I'd like to do with you uh, right now is tell you over an amazing um, story about Shemitah. In a, uh, there's a Moshav in Eretz Yisrael called Moshav Kamamius. Moshav Kamamius was one of the very first, if not the first, uh, Shemitah observant farms in Eretz Yisrael in modern, modern day history. See, when, when, when the government of Israel, when the state of Israel was founded, so the, Rabban, the Rabbanot, they basically said, okay, the same way that on Pesach we sell our chametz to a guy, you're not supposed to sell it, right? You're really supposed to destroy your chametz, but find a heter, right? What's the heter? You sell all your chametz to a guy, that way you don't incur tremendous loss, and that's a loophole that everyone seems to pretty much accept, more or less. So let's do the same thing when it comes to Shemitah. Shemitah, it's true, you know, the Torah is mitzvah that when you're on your land, which now we have back, we have to, every seven years, not plant and not harvest, not do any work on our fields. But now we have a whole state of Israel. We have a modern society. We have a, you know, we need food and we need to export food and we have to, uh, you know, this is, this is, at the time, there was no, like, high-tech industry in, in Israel. It was basically, they had, they were, they were planting wheat and oranges, and, you know, and, and that's what they made Parnassa from. So, it's not so posh, just, okay, for a whole year, everybody's just going to be in Kyle for a year, all farmers take off, and no, so, of course, there are always farmers that, they didn't care about the halach in the first place, they weren't from, so, so they were always doing their thing, but, all other, but from Yidin, they're not allowed to eat anything that grew in Eretz Yisrael and Shemitah. So they said, let's make a hetter mechira. Let's sell the entire Eretz Yisrael to an Arab, to a guy. And so it's not ours. We're just working on a land that's not, it's not a Jewish-owned land. No problem. It's only, the only problem of, of Shemitah is if it's owned by a Jew. But if it's not owned by a, by a Jew, so then, and it's not, so then there's no problem or at least it shouldn't be a major problem planting and harvesting on Shemitah. And there are kibbutzim, there are, there are a lot of moshavs in Israel that, that did this. The Chazanish, of course, came out very, very strongly against this. And the Chazanish says, absolutely not. He says, we have to, we have to stick you know, to the word of the Torah, can't use any of these loopholes, and... Uh, and they fought tenaciously, the Chazanish and others, to maintain the traditional 
Shemitah laws, and he wrote, Chazanish wrote himself a letter, I, I bring both these letters in my book, Great Jewish Letters, um, and he writes like as if he's a farmer, uh, the Chazanish, he writes a beautiful letter, we're not going to really discuss that this evening, but it's something that's Gadai just to know that he wrote a letter uh, saying how we're going to be stubborn and we're going to, uh, we're going to um, do what we have to on Shemitah, and we're not going to work the land at all and let everybody make fun of us, but they will see that HaKadosh Baruch Hu will do what he promised in the Torah. He's going to provide for us this year, and next year he's going to provide for us for three years we're going to do just fine. Thank you very much. This is the Chazanish's Shita. Now, Rabin Yamin Mendelssohn was the Rav of Moshav Kamias. This is a, a picture of what he looked like. Looked like a Chashavayid, and he was a Chashavayid, and he was the first, uh, he was the, one of the most dynamic fighters for the sanctity of Shemitah. And he encouraged many farmers to adhere to the laws of Shemitah despite the difficulties involved. And during his time in Kamemius, in that Moshav, Rabbi Yaman witnessed many miracles with regard to keeping Shemitah on his settlement. He wrote a letter to the author of the work, Mishnas Yasef, in which he recounts some of these remarkable incidents. I'm going to read to you this letter. Uh, I think it's a fascinating, fascinating letter. And um, in it, we're going to see two different cases, two different incidents that happened um, during the Shemitah years. I think the first one was during the Shemitah year of 5712, which was 1951 to 1952. That was like the first Shemitah after the Akamas of Medina. And then the second story is going to be from 1958 to 1959. That's the Shemitah year 5719. That's the next Shemitah year. And the amazing miracles that happened uh, that they saw themselves, the Yad Hashem, if a person is able to keep Shemitah properly. This is what he writes. At the close of the Shemitah year of 5712, we were left without any wheat to plant, for we would not use any wheat grown during Shemitah. With great difficulty, we procured leftover wheat from the sixth year from a nearby kibbutz. This wheat was in terrible condition, cracked and full of worms. Rabbi Chiel, the head of planting in Komamios, asked me what to do. I replied, if there is no other wheat that is halachically valid, have faith in you, sustains the world and plants. That's uh, Yerushalmi. That's brought in Taisas and Shabbos, Daflamin and Aleph. May Hashem help something grow from this hopelessly rotten wheat. All who saw what we were doing laughed at us, warning that by planting this wheat we would suffer losses of over 20,000 liras. Rabbi Chiel, however, in his complete faith, followed my instructions. In that year, it did not rain in the beginning of the winter. All those who plowed at the end of Shemitah and planted at the beginning of the eighth year suffered the spoilage of their crop due to dry earth. We, however, did not plow at the end of the summer of Shemitah, nor on Chalamayit Sukkot of the eighth year. Rather, our, plant, our plowing extended well into the winter months, and our seeding took, play, took until the end of the winter. As soon as the winter months ended, it began to rain incessantly. We were privileged to harvest a bumper crop that year. The rotten, wormy wheat that we had planted yielded the most luscious stalks of wheat. 
we were the only settlement in, that, in the area that had any yield on the crops. This was a clear sign that Hashem sends His blessing to Shemrei Shviyas, those who observe the Shemitah. That was the first story that he reports uh, about the miracle of Shemitah. The next story, he says, which we witnessed in Kamis in the Shemitah year 5719, again, that's 58 to 59, I reported to the Briskarov, and he told me that it is a mitzvah to publicize it. It's a mitzvah of Farsim. I will therefore report it to you. During the year prior to Shemitah, we had planted crops. Many of those fields had yielded produce that would be harvested and fed to the animals during the Shemitah year. This was in accordance with the halachic decision of the Ramban, who permits feeding animals produce planted before Shemitah and harvested on Shemitah. So you understand, they, they, they planted wheat in the sixth year. They only picked the wheat that they, that they planted. They harvested it only during the Shemitah year. The Ramban paskins that such wheat, you're not allowed to eat it yourself because you, it, was, it grew and it was, it was picked during Shemitah. You're not allowed to have that. But animals you could feed with that wheat. That's what they're on. So that's what they did on Kaimis. They relied on this Ramban and they planted in the sixth year and they harvested on the Shemitah year. One Friday morning, the members of our settlement came running to me in a state of extreme agitation, saying, a swarm of locusts has struck the neighboring settlements, wreaking havoc and completely destroying most of their crops. It is now heading towards Kamemius. I told them, let us go out and observe how Hashem saves those who keep Shemitah. We went out, this is an amazing story, we went out and watched as the entire swarm, again, there was a whole swarm of locusts, and they were eating up all the neighboring crops on Shemitah. And there was crops on Kamis that was planted in the sixth year, and they were going to use for the Bemis. So naturally, the, same, the locusts should have continued beyond the other, the other farms. They should have marched right into Kamis and eaten, eaten the same sort of produce that was growing in the ground. But he says, listen, let's see Hashem's Yeshua. Let's go out and observe how Hashem saves those who keep Shemitah. We went out and watched as the entire swarm headed towards Kamis. You can imagine like the site. I wish that, I don't know, maybe they have pictures or videos of this. I don't know. But there was all of Mendelssohn and all the Moshav people of Kamis were standing and watching swarms and swarms, maybe thousands, millions of locusts marching right towards their field. And guess what happened? As soon as the swarm reached our borders, it swerved and the locusts flew away as quickly as they had come. Hashem had again shown that he protects those who abide by his commandments. So there are two letters that, if you want to see it in the original, so they have, um, it's in the, the Alkot uh, Lekachtaiv, I think in this week's parasha. Anyway, but that is the, uh, this is the amazing thing of people that are Shemr Shemitah. Shemitah is the one mitzvah in the Torah, the most profound mitzvah in the Torah that proves beyond the shadow of a doubt that the Torah is divine. The fact that, our, that you could command people to not, to the, an entire country, not to, not to plant, not to harvest during an entire year, and then only get to plant the next year for the subsequent year's that's something that only HaKadosh Baruch Hu could command. And not only did he command it, but also you see that it works. 
It works. People that lived in Kamiya saw with their own eyes how HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave them special Siyat Deshmaya. This was in the early years of the Medina. Now, as the, as the Medina has evolved and has progressed, and a lot of people are much more cognizant and aware of Halacha, there's many, many farms, many farms all over Eretz Yisrael that they're Shemesh Shemitah. People that are, they might not even be from, or they might be very, very, you know, borderline from. Many farmers nowadays, beautiful thing, they, they are macabre on themselves to not work on Shemitah. In the whole Shemitah year, it's the hardest thing in the world to just wash your farms, just like sit there and not produce anything. You have a family to support, you have a wife, you have children, you have grandchildren, you have workers, you have all these people, and you just, everything just stops and you have to make sure that you know you're you're allowing the field to rest. It's the Shabbos of the earth, just like we have a Shabbos every seven days. The the earth of Eretz Yisrael, the holy earth of Eretz Yisrael, every seven years has an entire year of Shabbos Lashem of Shemitah, and it proves Hakadosh Baruch Hu wrote the Torah and was mitzavet to Klai Yisrael, and he continues to enable it to happen. There's a, a very wonderful organization that, um, that has been started over the last decade or so called Karen Ashvias. And Karen Ashvias allows Yidden in America the opportunity to help out the farmers in Eretz Yisrael, the farmers in Eretz Yisrael that really need support. At the end of the day, even though HaKadosh Baruch Hu promised that everything is going to be good, but, you know, Lamaisa, they have no income this year. So... So we have to enable HaKadosh Baruch Zabtacha to come to fruition and, and, and millions, maybe tens of millions of dollars is raised for this in this campaign called Karen Shvias, and they send all the money over to Eretz Yisrael to these farmers that are Shemri Shvias. I think there's a Chazal that says that, that there's a Pasuk that says that um, that Baruch Hashem um, that Blessed is Tashem, those Gibari Kayach, those strong soldiers, those strong warriors that are like Malachim. So Chazal say these are the Shemri Shvias. The people that keep Shemitah are the Gibari Kayach, they're Gibarim, they're, they're courageous. They're, it takes a lot of courage to do this. It's a lot, it's much easier to live in America and give a vad about how great it is to be Shemri Shvias than to actually be in Eretz Yisrael and be the one that has to. Keep this mitzvah of Shemitah. Again, it's like, imagine you have a, you know, you have a dental practice or you have a, you know, a, a, an automobile, a, a, I don't know, a, you know, a body shop. And the terrorist says, okay, every seven years you got to close your body shop for a year. To close your dental practice for a year, you're not allowed to open it. And in the eighth year, you know, we'll allow you to start getting, you know, getting warmed up again. And then maybe by the end of the eighth year, you could open up your business. Like you say, like, no, I need to pay my mortgage, and I need to pay, you know, I need to pay my kids schar and my kids tuition, and I need to, can't do it. I just can't, I can't take off a year. It'd be great, take a sabbatical, just can't do it. But this is what the Torah is expecting farmers to do. Every seven years, drop everything, put your plow down for a whole year, not just for a Shabbos, but for a whole year, and okay, but what am I going to eat? I don't know, not, you know, you'll, HaKadosh Baruch will give you bracha. That's a very great act of emunah and 
That's really like, you know, boots on the ground, emunah bitachin. It's not just theoretical emunah bitachin, but it's real. And these are, that's why Chazal consider the people that keep Shemitah as gibayre kayach, as the people that are strong. They're very powerful people, very strong. They're able to resist the great temptation, do like most of our so just do it, get a hetu mechira, or don't even worry about it, just do it, just plant, and I need it for my family, I'm paying a mortgage on this field, and I have all types of, of bills to pay, credit card bills, and I'm supposed to just not earn, yeah, that's what HaKadosh Baruch wants. So if you could do it, you are a great giver, you have to do it, but a lot of people can't be Amin Yisrael. So these are the great, I've, I've heard, I've been at uh, conventions, I think at the Aguda convention every Shemitah year, they invite like a farmer uh, to come up. I think this past year, or la- when was Shemitah was, Shemitah was last, year. last year. So last year I was at the convention, and they invited this farmer, a very nice guy. I think he spoke a broken English, or maybe just spoke Hebrew, I don't remember. But he got up in front of all the G'dayim, in front of a big crowd, and he was basically just describing like what it means to be a Shem Shemitah, how difficult it is. And that, you know, but, you know, American Jews gave a lot of money to Karen Shvias, and, you know, I think the Agudah was very behind it, and so he's grateful, uh, but, and that he learns most of the day, and uh, how beautiful it is, but he was, he, was, he was great. He was, like, really selling Shemitah to the Eilam, but you see that he, he had tremendous gavura, tremendous gavura to be able to just put everything aside for a whole year, I mean, people have to have a, a lot of people find it challenging just to not do work on Shabbos one day a week. You work six days. HaKash Baruch expects you to rest on Shabbos. Some people, they, they get very fidgety. I, what do you mean? I need to, to do business on Shabbos. I need to, my store needs to be open on Shabbos. I have to, you know, sell my product on Shabbos. But, okay, that, that's, that is a very big Nisayan, but that we're able to misguide. But now it's, instead of just one day, to do this for a whole year is very challenging but this is what the Torah's mitzvahs Baruch Hu expects of us, and again, I'm not saying that it's easy in any way for us in America. Looking at it, you know, it sounds like a, you know, a beautiful mitzvah, and it is. But it's very difficult to actually be in Eretz Israel as a farmer, living with Amun and Bitachen. But many, many do, and we have to commend them, we have to respect them, and we have to. You know, be in awe of them that they're able to miscaber over the great Nisayan of Parnassa and let their land lay fallow for a year, keeping the Shemitah Lashem.